Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Can we have thick skins today? No, that's an interesting way to start a sermon. Can we have thick skins? Maybe turn to the person next to you and say, you got some thick skin on? I'm going to ask you to have thick skins, and I'm going to ask you to have a soft heart today. Because I really believe that what we're about to preach and what we're about to speak about could change your life and change everyone's life around you. This is not a sermon that I particularly want to preach. I actually have avoided it pretty much since we've planted the church. But the reality is that this topic is a tough spot for people that have attached their faith to it. And because of maybe the misappropriation of churches and maybe pastors in past scenarios, it becomes a very sensitive thing for individuals. But I can honestly tell you today that I believe with my whole heart in everything that I'm about to preach. So I believe this so much so with my whole heart that I've really been practicing it my entire life. I've been consistent from my very first opportunity. And the thing I wanna preach about today is about our generosity, specifically tithes and offerings. I wanna note before we talk about this thing that our church, Grace City Tampa, the people sitting around you, are some of the most generous individuals I have ever done church with. It is absolutely incredible. Every single month, we go above and beyond our budgeted items, paying for this building, paying for the collective, paying for some of our staff, all the needs of the ministry, outreach, giving, all these things. We go above and beyond all of that every single month. We are such a blessed church with our finances. Can I tell you, as a, as a lead pastor, I have never once been stressed about the money of our house. Isn't that a miracle? Every pastor I talk to, the number one thing they say is like, I just hope enough money comes in to keep the lights on. And can I tell you, three months into our church, we started hitting budget and we have never missed since three months into our church because you're surrounded by some of the most generous people I've ever done church with. So I'm not bringing this message from a place of need. I want you to hear my heart today. We are not, as Grace City Tampa, bringing this message from a place of need. Need. I'm bringing this message with a burden on my heart for the people of Grace City, Tampa to flourish in their generosity and to experience the unbelievable fruit that God has offered people all throughout Scripture, all throughout the generations, and even in my own life. And I want to start with some really important stats about giving, about money. The Bible talks about prayer almost 500 times throughout the Word of God. The Bible also talks about faith less than 500 times. But the Bible mentions our, our money and our possessions over 2,000 times throughout the Word of God. Isn't that wild? So if the entirety of the Bible is covered with talking about money, it has to be a subject of utmost importance. Why do we talk about it all the time on a Sunday morning? It's of utmost importance, but why don't we talk about it more? Honestly, prayer and faith preach way easier. They're not as confronting. It's easier to say, come on, have more faith. Come on, pray more. 
When we talk about generosity, it's something that's hard for people to chat about. And even though that's the case, we need to have healthy conversations about biblical giving in regards to your life and what God wants to do with it. Are you with me today? Some more quick stats. In the Gospels, one out of every 10 verses deals directly with the subject of money. In the parable, 16 out of the 38 were concerned with how to handle money. See, Jesus intentionally prioritized talking about money and what it looks like to reap what you sow. He gives us a picture many times of what it looks like to live in full surrender of our whole lives and how to have a kingdom-minded approach to handling our finances. In the most famous of sermons that Jesus preached called the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the kingdom in relation to money, and this is what Jesus says to the crowds. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 6, 19. Matthew 6, 19, and I'll read it to you, and this is what it says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, everyone say, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The title of my message today is this, Kingdom-Minded Money. Kingdom-Minded Money. And the subtitle, if you want to write this down, is Graced to Give. Graced to Give. I'm excited to get to the Grace to Give part. But first, let's talk a little bit more about generosity. Money talks really are the worst, aren't they? Like it's one of those things that you very purposefully keep secret. The question that's really unacceptable at a dinner table with your friends is, how much money do you all make? Right? None of us would ever have that conversation. It's awkward. It's something that we've kept private. It's something we've hidden. It would be super inappropriate. So when it comes to money, our initial response is to hide it, maybe to cover it, to not talk about it or to keep it, right? Maybe not to tell people what we use it on because it's honestly no one's business. So this is all just normal in our society. Just hide it. Just tuck it away. I remember when I was seven years old and my parents started giving me a consistent allowance of $10. You know, I was a high roller, once a month, $10, hello. Candy bars were like 25 cents back then, you know what I'm saying? But I remember um, one day they brought home from this military surplus store this little ammo box for me. And I opened this thing up and I was so excited. What was I gonna keep inside of this thing? And I remember thinking, I'm gonna take my my allowance and go down and buy some candy at the store. So I got some candy, I grabbed it, I shoved it in this box, I went in the backyard and I buried it to hide it from my brothers. Now my youngest brother was five years younger than me, right, so he wasn't to worry about, but my older brother was one that would find the candy and take it, you know what I'm saying? So I buried this thing in the backyard. It was a couple weeks later, my parents said, hey Alex, what happened to the box that we bought you, right? And I was like, oh, 
and I just remembered that it was buried in the backyard. So I went at like seven years old, I'm like digging up my box. And when I opened it up, there was ants all inside the box, eating all of my candy. I was absolutely <laughs> devastated. But it's funny, this instinctual response to my candy is the perfect example of what humanity longs to do. We long to take the safe route with finances, or we love to use money on the things that please us. And yet Jesus confronts the issue head on. He starts this section of this message off by saying, don't store up your possessions on the earth. He's saying, don't prioritize the things of this world. Don't be so into the things of this world because the result of everything at the end of the day is that it will be destroyed. It will be or taken up. So don't bury your candy underground, right? Don't bury your treasure underground. And I know that's hard to comprehend. It's hard to imagine for creatures like us that stockpile up, that guard our treasure or use it for us. But it's important to note that when Jesus uses the word treasure, it literally translates to the word wealth in direct relation to money. Then he says this statement that should rock every single believer to the core. He says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Come on, if we paused and took an account of the past weeks or months, could we say that in the way in which we used our wealth, our treasure, was truly where our heart is? Could we truly say that? Are we kingdom-minded with our money? And this statement is one that is so confronting and convicting because he's laying out the foundational principles to the listener that your priority is where your heart is and that's where you will spend your treasure. Come on, I want my heart to be on the kingdom of God. I want my heart to be in the kingdom of heaven. I want my priority to be in eternal places with the God who loves me and provides every one of my needs. He goes on to say in verse 24, that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And hear this, the conclusion to this section of his message should give us the utmost clarity. He says you can't serve both God and money. You can't prioritize money over God. You can't store up for yourselves treasure on this earth and think that they will last. And I would go as far to say this morning, your money will reveal who your God is. Your money will reveal who your God is. Come on, is your mind set on earth or is your mind set on the kingdom of heaven? Is your money set on earth or is your money set with a kingdom mindset? This might be super confronting for people to receive today. But again, this isn't just for me. This isn't just for our church. This is for each of us. This is for the life in full surrender to God. See, people that are in full surrender of their money to God exemplify what it really looks like to be saved. When we get saved... We are laying down our whole lives in surrender to Jesus. And we are offering up everything. Yet, money can be an area where we make excuses and say, that's the one thing I can control, so I'll keep that back, but you can have most every other part of me, God. And let me say this, if your entire life isn't in full surrender to God, you're not living out the example of picking up your cross and following Jesus. If it's not in full surrender to God, you're not really picking up the sacrificial cross every day and saying, I give you everything. You're holding some things back. 
the disciples that followed Jesus left everything. They left homes. They left families. They left jobs. They left fishing nets. They left their boats. And this is the call for modern day disciples. The same urgency, the same intentionality, the same surrender. Imagine with me for a second if Jesus would have gone 90% of the way to the cross and then just left like a little bit at the end and said, you know what, actually, I'm not gonna go all the way. I'm gonna die 90% and then I'm gonna come off, right? No, I want you to hear me. His surrender was everything. His sacrifice was everything. He held nothing back. And our response should be complete and utter surrender to a God that gave everything to us, amen? amen. I firmly believe this, that your finances are the teller of who's on the throne of your heart. Is it you or God? Who's on the throne of your heart? And Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Come on, we can't serve both God and money. We must be submitted to one or the other. And church, I really believe that we are called to full surrender, not partial surrender. So I challenge you in the next couple of minutes to either be enlightened or reminded of the power of what a generous heart looks like and what it looks like to live in full surrender. Come on, we're gonna have kingdom-minded money, amen? So practically, I wanna teach for a second. I know I've kind of been teaching already. This is a very teacher kind of message today, but practically, the ways in which we do that with our finances are found in three avenues as believers. If you're taking notes, this is a perfect time to take notes. Found in three avenues as believers. It's found in the tithe, it's found in the offerings, and it's found in the giving to poor. This is what we find all throughout scripture. So if you wanna store up treasure in heaven, these are the roadmap laid out all through scripture that lead us to storing treasure in heaven. These lead us to kingdom-minded money. And I want to spend the most time today on tithing. The other two I'll just briefly hit. So the tithe. Again, I remember when I was seven, I got my first allowance, and my parents handed me three envelopes. And all my, you know, all my allowance was given in $1 bills, and the three envelopes were the tithe, the next envelope was savings, and the next envelope was spending. And so there I was, seven years old, my parents would teach me, you put $1 in the tithe, right, the 10%, then you put one in the savings, and then you're gonna take the rest of the eight and you're gonna go buy a bunch of candy and rot your face out, you know what I mean? Like that was kind of how I lived it back then at seven years old. But can I tell you, I'm so thankful for parents that gave me a foundational discipline of putting God first in my finances. I have never once in my life, even in marriage for the past 10 years, had to begrudgingly give to God because it's always been with a willing heart and a desire for God, knowing that he's in full control of my life. So the tithe literally means the first tenth, and it means this idea of giving that in return to God. If we really believe that God is in control of all of us, then I like to think of it like this, that that God in his massive amounts of generosity allows us to keep 90%. In the first fruit tithe, God says that we recognize that he is everything and that everything is his and that he's the provider of all things. But oftentimes with modern Christians, we've evolved from the act of tithing to the act of tipping God. And when I, I want you to hear this today, when I tip at a restaurant, there's multiple factors that go into me tipping at a restaurant. I think, what was my experience? Was my experience good? Did I receive what I wanted, right? And was it worth it? 
Unless if you go into one of these coffee shops where they literally push a button on an iPad and they flip it around and they're like, give me 30% of what you just paid, right? That's messed up in our society right now. I'm just being honest. Like bring back the 50 cent or $1. Don't do this 30% thing, all right? I'm not giving you $300 for a cup of coffee anymore. Jeez. But hear me today, church. Our tithing is not about our experience of church. It's not about receiving of things. And it's not about if it's worth it or not. No, tithing is about surrender. It's about putting God on the throne of your life in every area of your life and acknowledging that you've given God full control of your life. We can't come into tithing like we're tipping God or even paying for an experience. We can't even base our percentages on ourselves. We base them on the word of God and the principles he laid out for us from generation to generation. This is a prioritizing of what God has prioritized. The three quick points I have for tithing to explain it is the tithe is permanent, the tithe is presented to Christ, and the tithe provides for the work of the priests and the work of the Lord. First of all, the tithe is permanent. Hear me. The tithe is permanent. It is not temporary. This is not a temporary thing. It's a misconception that the tithe was brought about by Moses and the law. It's a misconception to think that that was when the tithe came about because we actually can read all the way back and see where Abraham gave a tenth of his plunder to the high priest, the king of Salem, Melchizedek, right? Melchizedek was a man without genealogy. No one knew where he came from, yet he was this high priest of this land. A lot of people, a lot of people believe that he could have been a Christ-like person. He could have been Christ incarnated in the beginning. I don't know where you believe. That's okay if you don't. But, in, but we want to understand this, that he is meant to resemble in the very early stages who we give our tithe to, and that is Jesus. And so all the way back at Abram, into Isaac, into Jacob, and all throughout the genealogy, there has been a foundation of giving 10% of the income back to the Lord. And there's no evidence throughout the entire Bible that the tithe has been abolished. It was before Moses, and it's never spoken about that it has actually been abolished. Do we hear this today? Yes, sometimes we go, oh man, it's just like an Old Testament principle. That's an Old Testament idea. But show me where in the New Testament it says, no longer tithe. Tithe is, no, we don't do that anymore. It's just, it's just, you know, we just give how we want to give now. No, hear me today. We are under the new covenant, which in fact should lead us to do more than the baseline of giving that was happening in the Old Testament. But the people that often have an issue with tithing, a lot to giving what they feel or think is right. When in reality, it's most of the time less than the baseline of what the foundation of the Old Testament even spoke about. How can we as believers, with the Holy Spirit residing within us, give less than the generations of believers who gave without the Holy Spirit within them? No, come on, I believe that this 10% is a permanent principle. I believe this has been laid out for generations on generations, and we are meant to continue living in the priority of putting our first 10% back with the house of God. Next, I want you to hear the tithe is presented to Christ. From beginning of Melchizedek in this example of Christ, we have to understand that the tithe was meant to be presented to Christ. That's the origin of it. 
And under the new covenant, the tithe is meant to be literally presented to the elders, leaders, and deacons of the church. And you have to understand this. Hear me today. Say this today. That you're not literally giving your tithe to the leaders, elders, and deacons of the church. No, we have the burden of stewarding it and using it to continue to move the gospel forward in and through our body of believers and to ensure that people get the gospel message. Under the, New Test or under the Old Testament, it was the same. The people presented their tithes to the Levites, the Levites presented it to the priests, and the priests did service to God, and the ultimate result, God blessed the people for their faithful giving. Now hear this, if we present our tithe to Christ, Right, that's the heart posture we give. We're not giving to an organization. We're not even giving to a specific church. We're giving it to Christ, right? We're giving it to Christ. Christ will surely be presenting it to the Father. Hear this. And the Father will respond with blessings. Hebrews 7, 25 says, Jesus comes before the Father to intercede for us. So it shouldn't be difficult for us to do things that have life attached to them, amen? It shouldn't be difficult. Come on, we're giving to Jesus. And even if you don't like what the church does or has done before, it doesn't matter. This is about giving to Jesus. So lastly, really quickly, the tithe provides for the work of the priests and the work of the Lord. Although the tithe didn't originate with Moses, we learn the most from his teachings on it. And the Levites and the priests weren't allowed to work any other jobs. They had to fully devote their lives to the dedication of teaching the law and interceding on people's behalf. This giving enables leaders of the church to fully devote their lives to the work of the Lord. And in the New Testament, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9, 14, in the same way, the Lord has commanded those that preach the gospel, they should receive their living from the gospel. This is like, I know this is kind of like a family meeting right now, and we're just talking about like the baseline of giving, but I want you to know the structure behind it and what the priorities are behind this, right? Is this okay? I know a lot of times we passingly talk about finances and I wanna make sure we just unwrap it here today. They receive their living from the gospel. And the second thing that the, the tithe provides for is the work of the Lord. It provides for giving to the poor, helping the needy, reaching, teaching, empowering, equipping the saints. One thing about Grace City Tampa is we give 10% of everything that comes back into the house away right? It's part that's built into our budget. We give it away to something that doesn't directly benefit us, right? Because we're built into the structure of empowering and being people that are going to reach the, the city around us and do the work of the Lord. The other two ways in which we give kingdom-minded money is through our offerings and through giving to the poor. I'm going to very quickly touch on these. An offering is giving above and beyond your tithe. There's multiple facets to this one that I don't have time to go into, but this is a thing given from your life and out of the overflow of your generosity. It can be sacrificial, but it's more about laying it all out for the Lord. It's a, it, in the Bible, the offerings were offered up to help the building of temples. And if you've been around Grace City Tampa at all, you would know we only do one offering a year and it's called Heart for the House with the intention of building the house building the, the church and believers in the city and reaching the world for Jesus, right? We do one offering a year, and that's the whole idea behind that. Brianna and I have made a decision in our marriage not only to give 10% always, but we've committed to always giving offerings each and every year. And a great principle we like to live by, if you don't know how much to give, set a goal of a percentage of your income. 
Set a goal and say, you know what, this year I wanna hit this percentage. I wanna hit 3% of my income, 4%, whatever it looks like. Set a goal of your percentage because it's gonna give you a challenge and an initiative to be sacrificial in giving of your offerings. And then the last form of giving is giving alms, which is the simple, practical helping the homeless and the poor and the needy. In Matthew 6, 1 through 4, it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as hypocrites do in the synagogues, on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not tell your left hand what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what you've done in secret, will reward you. Come on, there's a promise of reward if you give like this. And I want you to hear me, this isn't just giving to the homeless that you see on the streets. This is through organizations like No More. It's through organizations like Compassion where you help young children come to know Jesus and, and get trained up and discipled. This is through water ministries. This is building shelters for people. Come on, this should just be a part of every believer. We go, how can I help the poor, the needy, the widowed? How can I be a blessing to them? And this isn't about like a, a public thing, like look what our church has done. No, like this is in secret giving to God and God will reward you for what you've done in secret, right? Are you with me today? I know we're talking a lot about money and this can get old really fast, but I wanna live how God has called me to live. And if you're stopping and going, okay, they're just trying to get my money at Grace City, Tampa. Maybe you're suspicious about this message. You're going, oh, I get it. I can see behind. Then I would stop right here and say, don't give your tithe or your offering to Grace City, Tampa. Don't do it. If you are suspicious at all, give your tithe somewhere else. I want you to hear my heart on that today. That's how serious this is. This is about you living to the fullness, having kingdom-minded mindset with your money and exercising the generosity and living in the fullness of that and seeing the gospel reach to the ends of the earth. Come on, church. If you got an issue with it, you can give somewhere else. I'm telling you. Come on, I get really excited about this because we're about to go into the section I'm really excited to preach about. It's called graced to give. So we're kingdom-minded with our money. We think in a kingdom-minded way, laying down our first 10% as a sacrificial offering before God. We give of our offerings and we give to the needy around us. And I'll invite David to come up and play, but this is one of my favorite stories in the New Testament about generosity. It's found in 2 Corinthians 8. And if you wanna turn there in your Bibles, Paul has been planting churches all throughout the region. And Paul, returning from the Macedonian churches, he brings a report to the church in Corinth. And this is what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter eight. Lean in for this section. If you don't got, if you got a little more energy left in you, lean in for this, because God wants to do something in and through your life. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace, everybody say the grace, grace. that God has given the Macedonian churches, the grace that he's given these churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I'm sorry, that statement makes no sense. In the midst of very severe trial and their overflowing joy, and in their extreme poverty, they welled up 
something welled up within them, something bubbled up within them to have rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, hear this, and even beyond their ability. That's something supernatural. What, beyond their ability? Beyond what they were able to give, they were able to give more what? Entirely on their own. And they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing. That's such a beautiful idea, this, this mindset and this heart placement of this church going, I wanna urgently plead, like how can I share? How can I participate in the service of the Lord's people? And they exceeded our expectations. I love that, exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So they gave their tithe first, and then they also gave to these individuals. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also the completion, this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, hear this, in fact, in, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete awareness, and in love that we have kindled in you, we also see and we ask that you would excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Do we see this today? There's this welling up. There's this idea that God has come to grace the believer to be able to give beyond our abilities. There's a grace that he wants to give you. There's this gift, there's this idea where God is freely giving this ability, saying, listen, provide for the work of the Lord beyond what your abilities are. Even in the midst of the worst trials, even in the midst of maybe bankruptcy, even in the midst of you don't know how you're gonna pay your rent, right? They prioritize first the giving to the Lord and then the giving to the believers. Can I tell you today, there's this grace that's been given to this church in Macedonia. And Paul is saying, listen, I just wanna like hold you up next to them and say, listen, you've been earnest in faith, right? You've been earnest in speech and in knowledge and in complete earnestness and in love, but you can also excel in your grace to give. You can also lean in on the ability to give above and beyond what you're even able to do. Come on church, we have to rely on the grace to give. God offers. You can trust him to show you the way and to give you the heart of generosity. Amen. And just watch what happens when you have kingdom-minded money. Just watch. Just watch. Brianna and I countless times, we didn't know how we were going to get food on the table. We didn't know how we were going to fix our car. Time and time again, we've been faithful to tithe always, never without a doubt. We don't even know sometimes, I mean, in the past, we didn't know how to even pay our house bill. We always tithe first and we've always given offerings and we've always given to needy. And through all of that, God has provided every single one of our needs along the way, without a doubt, above and beyond, right? Can I tell you, even in my own life, when I was in college, I was saving $400 to be able to buy a computer at the end of the year. And this time came around where 
before. It was the Heart for the House offering. And I remember looking at this offering and looking at this $400 and I gave all that I had in my account towards this offering. And a week later, a friend pulled me aside and pulled a brand new MacBook Pro that was $2,500 out of his backpack. And he said, the Lord told me I was supposed to give you this computer, right? Can I tell you that we serve a God who's abundantly gracious and generous in everything, right? We see it in Luke 6:38, where it says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Come on, we see it in Acts 20, 35. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in the same way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We see it in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Come on, grace to give, church. For God loves a cheerful giver. And we also see it in Hebrews 13, 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for the such sacrifices are pleasing unto God. Come on, there is a grace to give on your life want the life that is truly life, if we want God to know where our heart is, we store up our treasure in heaven. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand to your feet. I want to finish with reading the most famous tithe passage of all, that anytime you give a mic to a new person that says they're going to do a tithe message, they go, Malachi 3.10. Malachi 3.10. I want to read it and I feel like the Lord really gave me something with this that helps us to understand what this can look like for the individual. Malachi 3 starting in verse 8 says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And here's that scripture. Bring the whole tithe. Everyone say whole tithe. It means the whole tenth of your income into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Everyone say test me in this. Says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to store it. First of all, hear this. If God gives that kind of promise, how could we not just give more? than a tenth. How could we not lay it all at the feet of Jesus and be like, look, look what he's saying he's going to give back. Even if it's just a principle, even if everything I've said today, you go, I don't agree with that. I can, I can combat that, whatever. That's fine. Even if it's just a principle and God spoke it, wouldn't you want to try it? But then it says this here. This is so cool. Verse 11, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields will not drop fruit before they're ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. Yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Do we remember Matthew 6 at the beginning? Do we remember this? That when you store up things on earth, they will be devoured by vermin and pests and robbed. But we understand from this prophecy that Malachi gave from the word of God, he says that when you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, you're not gonna have enough room to contain all the blessings of my life. And I will protect everything that I've given you from pests, from vermin, from people robbing it. I will cover it and all the nations will see you and say you are blessed when you bring the whole tithe 
into the storehouse. Do we see this today? The correlation of the promise. We gotta be kingdom-minded with our money. In each and every one of us, I believe, if you have the Holy Spirit residing within you, you've said yes to Jesus, welcome the Holy Spirit. You've been graced to give. Grace to make a difference in your life and the lives of others. So I got four responses, four responses. First of all, if you're not tithing 10% and you want to test God, as it says in Malachi, right? It says, test me in this. It's one of the only things that God says, test me in, right? So we wanna give you an opportunity as a church to test it. If you're like, yeah, I'll try it out. I'll give it a go. Then what we're starting today is a 90-day tithing challenge. You have to scan the QR code or you have to scan the QR code at the back. You can go onto the app. You can go to the website and find the 90-day challenge. And you can try tithing. You can test God in tithing for 90 days. And if you get to the end of the 90 days and you say, this was all crap, Alex is a hoax, this is not right, we'll give you every single cent back that you gave. Every single cent. When you fill out the form on this, we're gonna keep track of your giving for the next 90 days. And we will give you every cent back. So it could just be a great savings account. You know what I'm saying? But can I tell you that over the years that I've been doing this, even I remember my dad doing this when I was young in church. I've never seen a single person come back. Never seen a single person come back and say, that was wrong. No way. So if you're ready to step into what it looks like to tithe 10% of your income, I encourage you to step out and try the 90-day challenge. Number two, if you've been tithing, but you haven't stepped out in the abundance of blessings by giving offerings, I encourage you to do that. Dream about what you can give at Heart for the House this year. Start to prepare now. What can I give sacrificially as an offering unto God, laying it all down at his feet? This year, last year, during Heart for the House, we were able to raise $120,000, right? We were able to make a difference all across the world with different organizations. We gave $5,000 to a new church plant a year into our church plant, you know what I'm saying? Like we were able, this isn't our new sound system. This is our old ancient of days sound system, you know what I mean? Like we got a sound system that rips your face off now. There was a lot of things we were able to do with that money last year and this year, we're believing for $250,000 to completely pay off the chair remodel and the entire theater remodel, right? Like, I can't, I can't, I totally believe that God's gonna do it this year. We're gonna see everything paid off in our heart for the house. So I encourage you to step out on that and set a commitment. What kind of percentage? How can you give? How can you step out sacrificially? Number three, if you wanna commit to moving the church further faster, maybe you need to join Kingdom Builders. These are people who are like-minded in their generosity who say, you know what, we're gonna give above and beyond our tithes and our offerings, and we're gonna invest in the mission of Grace City Tampa to see the church move further, faster. And the fourth challenge is for everyone in the room, no matter where you are in this, find moments to be outrageously generous to people all around, your friends, your family, the poor, the needy, pick up five compassion kids, whatever it looks like, find moments to give, give, give all around you, no matter what, live in extreme generosity in all moments. And don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. This isn't about fame. This isn't about other people giving you a pat on the back. Good job for giving. No, no, no. This is about giving to the Lord. Amen. Amen. And again, I would repeat this. If you're like, man, I, I just can't even, like, this is too weird. You're talking about money and all this. I challenge you, just give to another church then. And just watch as God just brings an insane amount of fruit in your life. Is that okay? The Bible says this. It's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle 
than a rich person to enter through the gates of heaven. I'm telling you what, I'm coming for those gates of heaven and I don't wanna leave anything on the table. I don't wanna live for this world, I wanna come with kingdom-minded money, stepping into the grace to give kind of gift that God has for me, amen? So right now, would you just put your hands out in front of you? Lord, you see every person in here, whether they're gonna try the 90-day challenge, whether they're thinking of how they can participate in Heart for the House, whether they're debating whether they can be a kingdom builder or everyone in this place of how they can step out in generosity and giving to the poor, the needy, the, the people who need it the most. I just pray right now that just like Paul encouraged the church in Corinthians to experience and excel in the grace to give. I pray we'll step out in faith. I pray we will be people of great faith. Lord, I pray for offenses to be broken in here. If I stepped on any toes, I pray they'd be broken by the mighty name of Jesus and that we would step into what it looks like to be extremely generous, to change the world around us. Lord, let our treasure Come on, put your hand on your heart all across this room. Let our treasure be stored in heaven. We want to be kingdom-minded with our money, not, not for ourselves, but for you. Let us live sacrificial in everything that we do. We do pray, God, that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we give you all the glory for all of this, every single bit of it. I pray there will be fruit, undeniable fruit, in every person that steps out in giving the way that you've called us to give. Every person that stepped out in kingdom-minded money, I pray today, God, that they will walk out from this place and be blessed in the most crazy of ways. Lord, I speak for your abundance. Lord, I speak that it will be, it'll be poured out onto their life, onto their families, and that generations will tell, Lord, of your mercy and of your, your, your goodness in all of our lives. Lord, I do pray able to make a difference and that the lost will be found in and through this city because a bunch of believers stepped out in kingdom-minded money. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So you can take a breath. Thank you for being present and receiving this word. I know that sometimes these words can be tough to receive, but I believe that it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful season for your life and for the lives around you. So we love you grateful to be doing church with you and be building the body of Christ with you. We're making an amazing difference in this world. Let's continue to run towards all that God has for us. We'll see you next week for Jason Warman in the house. It's going to be amazing. And uh, we'll see you on the steps next week. We love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.